Ah, uh, there he is. Howdy, y'all. This is Market Fire Podcast. We're doing this thing live, baby. Well, Halloween. Happy Halloween, Danny. I don't celebrate that. Um, Why do you um, not? Come on. Everybody celebrates Halloween. No, I Why don't. Not? I celebrate All Hallows Eve, the original. Give me give um, me the conspiracy theory of why Danny Bombay, Dr. Danny Bombay, does not celebrate. You don't get to make fun of me using a stage name. You call yourself Big Man. Now, you've earned it, okay? <laughs> but I'm just saying, you don't get to knock me for having a stage name. Because hey, there's nothing funny. wrong with it. You're right. You are absolutely right. I do use yeah. the Big Man. So, you know, yeah. anyway. I get to be Dr. Danny Bombay because I'm a in my book – Ending Fat Phobia, which is on Amazon right now. You can go buy it. <laughs> can to God, Dr. Yes, D. Bombay. Yes, yes. <clears throat> I, in the, in the copyright section, I say, Dr. Danny Bombay, doctor, is a stylistic moniker. And I have an 18-year-old nephew, and he read that and couldn't stop crying. He's like, stylist he, He'll text me and be like, hey, stylistic moniker. I was wondering if I was like, hey, stylistic wow. moniker. That is great. That is wonderful. <laughs> um, my children are still uh, young enough. They're 15, 14, and 14. Uh, yeah. They think they're still young enough to do trick or treating, so it still costs right. me a fortune for costumes and stuff like that. Uh, well, they will yeah. be out running my neighborhood, wreaking havoc this evening, even though it is a school night. As they should, as teenage boys ought to. You, you know. know what I mean? So, uh, so hey, it's a wonderful had, Halloween. I also had, you know, um, our our little our our, our fledgling network mm-hmm. of all pod media is growing, um, and the quickest way to do that was for me to add another podcast because I have nothing else to do. So, uh, <laughs> Church is canceled as a podcast yes. on our network. By the way, we are getting our new website up and running. <clears throat> our podcast network is going to be different than other networks. Um, and we're going to explain some of that when we get there and we're yep. going to put a video out about that on our, so if you, if you notice that our, 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 our clips channel is now called all pod media cuts. Yep. And, um, so we do audio and video and we put up the stories on all pod media cuts. So, um, <clears throat> we're going to let that sink in, right? <laughs> we are. Now, we're going to let that sink in. So what was, are we talking about today, Dan, before? Uh, we got a couple of stories. Uh, first we're going to talk about our good friend, Elon finally closing this deal which first in market fire history we got a prediction wrong we, we said were both wrong yeah we were both wrong and listen i will eat that humble pie because it is so infrequent that that happens but listen it's the life of a super genius all right i don't have time to join mensa they keep asking but i'm just saying occasionally get a couple of things wrong well but you know what there, <clears> there's that's a good thing. You t- you take that loss, right? Like you said, humble pie, you eat it. But you know what? There's so much just wonderful, wonderful yeah. things that have come out of this that it's yeah. great to talk to. And I feel like we're the Elon Musk and Kanye West show. But you know what? A topical business show moving to a uh, a live format, you talk about what's going on, right? Yeah. And so the other thing I, you know, I want to make clear here is I felt the exact same way that we were covering the same topics. One of the one I use a couple different business websites such as CNBC and Fox mm-hmm. Business and what have you to look up business news. That's it's what it up. is. It's yeah. the leading stuff. It's what it is right now. When uh, so, right now, Elon Musk, Twitter, all of this stuff is is huge news. Yeah. Which I think we should really start before we before we go into the stories Danny actually has here. I think we should talk about the the uh, 
most uh, direct story this morning and work our way backwards. So as of this morning, we're t- we've got two main topics. One, uh, well, three. One, he's going to lay off 25% of the staff right away. He hasn't reached his 75%, but he's going to lay off 25%. He's going to get there. Um, and I'm going to list these, and then we'll get Danny, and we'll get into discussing them. Uh, two, he's going to start uh, charging for uh, verified users. He wants to charge $20 a month for you to be verified, um, which he kind of already has in place with the the Twitter blue and that kind of stuff. Uh, the third one is, is he's told all his engineers that that ability – to get verified and charging twenty dollars a month will be done by November seventh, or they're all losing their jobs. Yeah, and you know, unlike there's a there's a conspiracy in there somewhere, I'm sure, because the previous owners of Twitter were, like I said in one of our other episodes, sovereign wealth funds and that that sort of thing. That uh, it would appear to me were less concerned about you know making a profit. From a business, <laughs> which I find perplexing, and I always refer to this as woke capitalism, which is we want to start businesses and we want to do tax avoidance and we want to do all the stuff we always hate capitalists for doing. Um, and we're anti-capitalists, but we're startup guys, but we're starting these businesses. But God forbid you ever made a profit because that's evil. And he's just trying to make these companies profitable. Now, to the $20 a month for being verified, the thing I love, here's what I love about this whole acquisition finally closing. <clears throat> there is now a startup competitor to Twitter called <laughs> Tribal yes. because after, after spending the last two, let's call it three years, trashing every Twitter knockoff competitor mm-hmm. and saying, hey, if you get kicked off of Twitter, it's not a big deal. It's a free market. Go start your own platform. Then one of our hot boys gets over there and just like a true Chad just goes, I'm going to write a check and I bought your platform and now you're going to have to pay to stay with the blue check. And all of a sudden the tears, uh, uh, Taylor Lawrence. (laughs) You Um, really, really do just enjoy making fun of uh, people. Yeah, that's true. I do enjoy. No, it's I just want to express that for the majority of Americans, we maybe not you, maybe not the people listening, there's a certain amount of disdain for people who look down on middle America Texans, like the people moving from Silicon Valley to Austin that are like, I saw a tweet, don't know if it's real or not, but it was a, it was a person who captioned it. Um, Ew, I moved to a red state. Hey, Get on a bus and leave. Okay, but the, stop it. But, no, but we want everybody people, here in Texas, Danny. No, don't. I, no. I, <laughs> that I is Danny's opinion, don't. and it's correct. not the opinion of the big man or Market Fire podcast. That's correct. The The point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to here, though, is he's trying to make this business, instead of making it this bloated, unprofitable public company that's that exists somewhere that, like, well, we're a public town square so we're not trying to monetize it this weird thing he's going directly to the source and in business there's a tactic of like we want to piss off there's a tactic of like we want everybody to be our customer but then there's a different tactic which is let's piss off half the people so that we can get the other half of people to love us he's not going to take your ability to use twitter for free away 
That's no, not what he's trying not. to look again. I, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. There's no such thing as woke um, capitalism. Capital. Let me tell you mm. something, folks. Um, if you are an American, because I'm not going to speak on behalf of any other country in the world. I don't know. Right. This is the only place I know. If you are an American and you want your life or your children's lives to be better than what they are and you want them to be able to work to get that, then you are a capitalist. End of story. Period. There is no other. You are nothing else. You are not. You can't be a socialist and expect your life to get better. That's the way. I'm sorry. That, no. That opinion is not the opinion of Dr. Bombay, I, the Confederate Market Fire <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm just saying. Yes, no, I, I agree that. Look, we're gonna. One of the stories that if we can get to it today, um, you know about. Uh, you know. Uh, loosely about inflation you would know if you actually read what inflation is and what's causing it 54 percent of our current inflammation is caused by corporate profits now inflation inflation correct okay you don't know anything about economics i i, I do it's currently being that, caused by if, profits in companies no it's not, no, it's not. however if you say that if you say that one more time i'm gonna throw you off the penny back of bridge <laughs> you go ahead and try it but my point is, it's it's a I fact. Danny cannot, Danny can't dispute it. My point though is, is is there a line where companies maybe shouldn't be able to continue to take profits when prices are also rising and people can't buy groceries? Maybe there is a line, right? I don't believe mm -hmm. in non-emotional. No. Danny's the opposite. Okay, if you can get a hundred dollars, get a hundred dollars, and screw anybody that can't afford it. But this is where taking it back to our current story, Twitter, look, they should have been charging for a check mark forever. Because right. here's what happens. We have all figured out that no matter what platform it is, TikTok, right. Twitter, Instagram, it doesn't matter. There is some form of identification that means this person is the person that you think it is, right? It's Jason Momoa. It's you're right, Robert Downey Jr. It's whatever your Why podcast you is. For Jason Momoa, I have so hey, that is questions. a beautiful man. That's all I'm yeah, saying. I, all listen, right. I'm I, listen. I I can't disagree with you there. That is a mountain <laughs> of a human being. That is a beautiful man. But yeah. so my point though is, is so there's some form of identification that says, hey, this is the person that you were trying to follow, and uh, they have a certain number of followers and all this stuff. There's an algorithm to it. So. Uh, the point that I, I mean is, is if you want to keep that, so we all know that that's the case. So if you want to have that check mark and you want to have the ability to, guess what, buy it, right. you should have that ability to buy it. Yeah, that I agree with, right. So, um, so I have zero problems with him. $20 a month, making it $200 a year. You get a couple of months for free or whatever it is. And guess what? I wouldn't mind it if he was even higher. Because that's right. the point, is to make it where not everybody has it. Right. Okay? Exclusivity yeah. creates... What you'll see is people will follow even more people with these right. blue check marks. Yeah, so... Uh, the blue check has become a cultural reference where individuals of my persuasion tend to go, oh, blue check mark? Pink. So... Um, that's not true. Well, well okay, saying, I can't I'm, speak on your 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 perspective, but yeah. So uh, I just I listen. Elon Musk is the other thing that you know. I was reading a bunch of articles, like mostly from The Verge. It seems like to me, the people over at Vox are melting down. And I just want to address, say this also: 
These people did not melt down when Jeff Bezos, who at the time was wealthier than Elon Musk, acquired the Washington Post. Like everyone was just like, oh, I guess there's TV. Um, Bill Gates, another billionaire. I I did. You You and I actually talked about it. Actually, you and I talked about it on a podcast. Yeah. You and I did. That's correct. I'm just saying they didn't. These same people didn't have an issue when um, a blind trust that uh, the beneficiary of whom is Bill Gates became the largest owner of farmland in our country. These are Mm -hmm. farm to table vegans who say, Factory farming is the devil. And I might agree with them in terms of food quality, but I'm just saying I don't agree with them in process, but food quality, I might agree with them. And you're worried that, dude, you know, there's the meme and you're you're a Gen Xer, so I have to explain the meme to you. On Twitter, it's kind of like, hey, this shocking thing happened. Can you believe it? It's dangerous to our society. Let that sink in. And the kids would go on TikTok and they'd go to Home Depot or Lowe's or what have you, and they would mm. they would take a sink off the rack and the door where they have the doors and go, hey, let that sink in. <laughs> like it's a sink and you let it in. Elon Musk. Yes, the physical with, manifestation. Elon Musk is a the wealthiest man in the world, we believe. Yes. Uh, as far as we can record in history. In the ballpark. Mean, top three. Yeah. He's, what, in his mid-40s? Right? Yeah. He runs three massive billion-dollar corporations now. Mm-hmm. Walked into Twitter's headquarters in San Francisco carrying a sink. <laughs> this is but the world we live in, folks. This meme is magic, the world. Meme magic is real. Don't care what you say. I, I, I have become the kind of person, you know, I, I recently you know, hit my mid-30s <clears throat> and have accepted that I just have to go with with my gut feeling. My gut feeling was always that meme magic is real. And Elon Musk, as a joke, seven months ago, not a joke, seven months ago said, I'm going to buy Twitter because uh, Babylon B got banned for making, it's a satire website. They got banned for making a joke. And he said, I'm just going to buy Twitter. And then he carried the sink into test into the headquarters i still think it was a joke i think he ended up the joke went too far and he ended up you know what i mean but but the joke the joke went too far in society benefits mag the the, the meme magic is real when i say that that's what i mean he memed he memed this into existence now you can say uh-huh. the secret that's see the secret is stupid you can't just manifest things but we did. Danny definitely does believe in meme magic. Him and I have this conversation yeah. all the time that I, cause I'm constantly surprised by the ability of just how we get onto things in today's world, how the masses latch on to the most random of things. And the mm. only way that it can be described is Danny's meme magic is real, right? Right. Is because it, it can be if the right thing at the right time catches on the masses get behind it like crazy and it becomes a reality it just does and it's the craziest scariest thing i've ever seen in my entire life so at the end towards the end of last year or you know um so the beginning of 2021 there were some things erupting in our society and there was people like candace owens and others who were tweeting at elon musk please buy twitter and delete it and somehow 
a year later, you and I are sitting here doing two weeks worth of live streams, <laughs> talking about how this thing's never going to close. But it does. Pie. Yeah. So speaking of this story, Danny, what do you think about the the couple of articles? Now it's not a crazy, crazy. Uh, I don't think it's there's a billion articles out there about it, but there's been a couple of articles that say, hey. I think the reason maybe he's laying off people is because November 1st, a lot of people, certain positions at Twitter, were going to get ownership stock in yep. Twitter, and he doesn't want to pay that out. What do you think about that, Dan? Well, I think that – well, he said he's replied to somebody's tweet. Someone in the corporate press said that. He replied to that tweet saying that's not true. Now – What exactly with- is not true about <laughs> Well, that that's the reason he's going to fire people by November first. He is so he. I know that he's going through in the uh, San Francisco office and the New York office, um, making people give like giving people coding exams, like basically like yes, going going through their code line by line. And this brings up a side note, a, a caveat, a tangent that Danny likes to go on. ADD. There is speculation now that seems to be more and more credible as time goes on that Elon Musk is Satoshi Nakamoto because of how C, the C++, C++ programming of blockchain is very similar or identical to his style of programming. Okay. And the fact that Satoshi's wallet, you know, his first startup was in money. PayPal, he always said PayPal was supposed to be Bitcoin, right? It mm-hmm. never got there. And so somewhere along the way, he made a bunch of money. He figured whatever it was in his head, he went, oh, figured it out. Whatever he was trying to get, his brain mm-hmm. got there. He's a super genius like me. He got there, figured it out. And that's why he's like, he uses Doge though. He talk, that's why the wallet has never taken out the Bitcoins, even though it's have it's billions of dollars because he already has billions. He's already of the richest guy in the world, doesn't need it. So, okay, so I, he definitely has set meetings up with his top-level engineers in Twitter, and he not only has set those meetings up, he's like, bring your portion of the code. Not just, hey, here's the code we need to do something about. He's essentially saying, bring if you're an author, he's essentially yep. saying, hey, I'm meeting with all of my authors, and I want you to bring your book. I don't want you to bring right. the library of books that you and your team have worked on. I don't want you right. to bring, you know what I mean, some co-authored crap. I want you to bring your self-published, your, you know what I mean, the book that you hang your hat on and why you should be working here, right? And then on top of that, giving them these deadlines by November 7th, where he's like, yeah, I need y'all all to get ready for this meeting and also need to code this thing, which I would think, honestly, because of the already existence of Twitter Blue, why couldn't that just be modified to encompass his needs? Which I think is what's going to happen is that uh, verification is going to become a tier of Twitter mm-hmm. Blue. So you're right. Twitter Blue verified, so you pay for that. And here's the other thing. Whether you're a journalist, whether it's um, who's that? Who's that? Who's that horror author? King something King? I forget his name. Stephen King. Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Stephen King said, "If this gets implemented, I'm leaving." Hey, buddy! Everyone said they were leaving America in 2017 to Canada. All y'all still here? Everyone's like, "I'm deleting <sighs> Twitter if Elon buys it." Y'all still here? Everybody so, complains all the time. And look right. again. I'm a Stephen King fan. The guy, the way the guy's brain works has to scare himself at night. I don't know how you would be alone with his brain in the middle of the night. But 
my point though is, or even alone with him in the middle of the, anyway. My point is, big fan of his work, but what do I care what Stephen King thinks? Okay, and what do I care if he's not on Twitter anymore versus any? You're a published author. Who cares about what you're tweeting about? Okay, nobody but, that makes any difference that, at all. Right, but here's the thing: explain that to Stephen King, whose ego is the size of a small nation, who believes people care. Well, <clears throat> up until about a week and two weeks ago, Kanye West thought the same thing. Yeah, so right. I, I mean, but people do care. People do care when he said something because. Now he poor. Well, no, he oh. thought he, he was above that. But look, this whole, and then, of course, Danny's got on here. Uh, everybody knows Twitter was sta started by Jack Dorsey. Correct. Jack Dorsey has also taken it upon this opportune time of Elon Musk buying Twitter to what, Danny? Well, so this is what's confusing because I, I put this article in our show notes. But when looking, doing a little more research, um, Blue Sky was supposed to be a project within Twitter to decentralize Twitter, because I think Jack Dorsey is one of those, you know, multi um, serial entrepreneurs. Right. He started several businesses. He was focused on um, it's called block now, but square and cash app and that kind of thing. Right. He, he was focused on that because he got ousted from Twitter. Then he became the Twitter CEO again. And all this other stuff happened. And he was and I think I might get here's my belief. That episode of Joe Rogan where it's his head of um, trust and safety at Twitter, mm -hmm. Vijaya, one of my cousins, um, that's just that's just our my way of saying it's an Indian person um, from Texas, from Beaumont. She's uh, she was raised in Beaumont, Texas, um, fattest city in America. <laughs> you could have just left that out, Daddy. That could have just Ooh. been one of those things you let live in your head. Yeah, yeah, facts are facts. Um, so, uh, um, and then Tim Pool, uh, who's a journalist, who some people, I don't know, some people don't like him, I like him. And she talks in circles, and it's one of the most interesting interviews. And my belief is that's where he goes, wait, hold on, we, we banned somebody off of our platform for X, Y, and Z reason. And he's kind of finding out how his own platform operates. Because he, you know, there was Dick Costolo and the other guy, Evan Williams, I think, who were CEOs before him, and he was one of the co-founders. <clears throat> Long story short, it, it was like he ended up getting the gig and then like got ousted and then came back and was like, no, no, Twitter's never going to be profitable. We should just make this a decentralized platform for free speech because he's realizing he's paying, I think that that woman, the head of trust and safety, was making like an eight-figure salary. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money for an attorney who just hangs out at Twitter all day and is just hanging out like drinking nitro brewed coffee. Well, at their, you know. look, we've all so, read the articles about what has happened at Twitter since Elon Musk officially took over, right? We've all heard, read, and heard the stories about yeah, but certain terms, you, certain right, things. You, Go ahead. Did, so when this when this officially took place and the bank started funding the transaction. The deal is closing. They're delisting Twitter. I'm at the gym. I'm working out. So you know gym shorts. I pitched a full tent in my shorts. I was <laughs> so thrilled that this was happening. And the thing that thrilled me even further. Folks, he sent me that same text. So it's yeah. it's probably true and yeah. quite disturbing. So go ahead. Yeah, no, but, you know, as part of this, there was two comedians 
that pretended to be getting like kicked out of there. And so, but you know, that's, that's a, that's a side note, but to talk about blue sky, it looks like blue sky is going to be happening. And it appears in one way or another that it's not affiliated with Twitter for some reason. At least that's what this article from Yahoo Finance is saying. Well, look, everybody, every now and then uh, an article pops up about Jack Dorsey, right? Because somebody like him, a serial entrepreneur, people are in the business world are always curious of what their next project is, what it is they're doing. And a lot of times, a lot of them don't come to fruition. It's like, hey, you know, hey, I'm working on this for the next six months to see if it's something real. And if it's not, they move on to the next thing, that kind of thing. I think he has an idea in his head because we've talked before about Web 3.0 on this podcast, about Web 3.0 being decentralized. It's the primary topic of what will become Web 3.0, at least what we believe it will become, right? Right. And uh, so he has in his head of social media in a decentralized platform area. Now, whether that comes to fruition and how that comes to fruition, I don't think he knows yet. He, I don't think he no. understands yet. So I, I don't think we're there. But, hey, I don't mind the hustle of going, hey, Elon Musk just bought Twitter, so I'm going to use this opportunity to go on a couple of talk shows, go on a couple of put out a couple of news articles to make sure right. people know that I'm still in the realm. In, I'm still working. I'm still doing my thing. It probably yeah. helps him fundraise in some way. Right. So my belief is that this is going to be viewed as a side project. And um, so initially I thought that this was going to end up becoming Twitter when Elon took it over. But Elon says, this is now going to be the base for X His everything app. It's going to be Twitter. Sure. And so maybe it's that, you know, he told, and it, it, you know, based on the leaked tweet um, text messages between uh, Dorsey and Musk, it would appear that, they have a cordial relationship. So it's my belief that if he's off there, if he's off doing mm-hmm. this distributed Twitter, if essentially blue sky is going to be an essentially a distributed Twitter, decentralized Twitter. That's what he's doing. My belief is that Musk closed this deal with the, with the, and the reason the timing of it is also the, something that leads to that sure. conclusion that, he, that the, that Elon is really going to turn this into X, which by the way was, the name of PayPal before, like X.com was PayPal before it was PayPal, mm-hmm. and it was it was him and his brother. Well, the X is the idea that that Twitter becomes a modern day version of Facebook no, when Facebook WeChat. was well, when Facebook was at its height. I'm what I mean by is loyalty, right? Yeah, Something yeah, yeah. you use for everything. When Facebook was at its height, it was right. being used by everybody for everything it could be used by, right? Correct. Um, in modern day Amazon, if you are Amazon Prime user, you use it for almost everything, right? Yeah. Um, true. and there are people in small places like New York, like San Francisco, highly condensed places where people live very close to each other, where they right. use it. For everything, shopping, you know what I mean, grocery shopping and everything like that. So um, he wants to make Twitter that platform for all social media activity, including YouTube, including, you know, videos and everything. And you're right. He says he really likes WeChat, which is an Asian company, right, heavily used in China specifically. And um, that kind of stuff. So he likes that, but I I guarantee he's seen past it, right? Like he's saying that's what the modern day I like is we right. need a better version of that. Of course, a better American, like, you know, it, but I, the reason that that it, it uh, dude, 
our good this this dude is brilliant. He goes on Twitter and he he puts up a poll and says, should we bring Vine back? And then Mr. Beast replies to it and said, well, that'd be cool if you, there was a competitor to, to TikTok. And Musk replies to Mr. Beast, uh, who's worth only $1.5 billion, apparently, right. yeah, yeah. As, as compared to his multi-billions of dollars. Um, Jimmy's only worth one and a half. And he says, what if we made it better than TikTok? I passed away. <laughs> I'm gone. Bye. I passed away. Dude. And the other thing, I'm just this is a side note, has nothing to do with anything yeah. related to business or Twitter. The the people who popularized you have teenage sons, so you go to their high school, mm-hmm. you drop them off. You know how the boys all have the down, the haircut, the, uh-huh. yeah. the mop, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bowl cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was two vine stars who, you know, 16, 17 year old, 17 years old, losing their hair, hairlines receding, so they pushed their hair forward. David Dobrik, Logan Paul. Yeah. Now all of the kids, because of Vine, have this dumb haircut a decade later. Hey, Vine just, had its time, man. Vine had its time. It was and I don't high, think dude. it was given long enough for no, it to but, actually catch on to where what it needed to be. So here's what I'm saying is Elon Musk is – I believe now that Elon Musk truly intends to turn Twitter into an app that where, where you can do everything on it like a WeChat. And he looked and said, here's a user base. and um. Uh, there was a, somebody from the the kingdom of Saudi Arabia who whose sovereign wealth fund used to own this, and he said, "Would you pay the twenty dollars to be verified?" And he said, "Yes, of course, I will pay. Uh, please activate in Saudi Arabia. We pay." I'm allowed to talk like that because I'm brown. Um, <laughs> I have nothing to do with any accents, Danny. He has out nothing there. to do with that. Um, so, but that's that. Um, well, so I mean, on an offshoot note, just because you brought up Mr. Beast, uh, because it was it was news this past week. So uh, a company, it didn't say which company, came in and offered Mr. Beast a billion dollars for his company, right? right? And Mr. Beast turned it down flat. And he went on a couple of interviews and said, well, okay, wait a minute. Why would you turn down a billion? A billion dollars is a lot of money. Why would you not? Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why wouldn't you give up Mr. Beast for a billion dollars? He's like, well, if it was 10 or 20 billion dollars, I'd consider it. Now, I thought in the moment, I thought this guy's saying 10 or 20 billion dollars for what he's created. It sounds insane. But when right. you really start look at the numbers, when you start really, I mean, really, really if, when he's you take off. Mr. Beast as a YouTube right. channel, as all the things that it is, and right. you put your business glasses on, like you put your revenue that he's getting monthly annually advertising only what youtube has shared with him right and stuff like that the man's right his company is worth 10 or 20 billion dollars yeah and listen this to me is one of those things where i go here's a schmuck kid from carolina the carolinas i think he's from the carolinas and he builds an empire off of and he's like the way he thought about doing that thing was like, hey, the first brand deal he got, he was on flagrant, and he was like, well, the first brand deal I got, they're going to give me five grand to mention the company. Mm-hmm. And he goes, give me 10, and I'm going to walk out onto the street and give it to a, a an unhoused, a homeless person. Right. And he like argued with them back and forth, and then they say, okay, fine. And then his mom goes, why not just give him 9,000? Like, keep a grant. Mm-hmm. And he goes, not nah, 10 grand is going to be better than the title. Now, What's hilarious to me is this kid understood something. I don't, and this is when I say, and I, I'm an individual who believes in the, in 
the other world, the other realm, the cosmic, <laughs> right? Christian, but sure. still going. Sure. That's inspiration from outside of this universe because for whatever one reason he just and because he was principled about it. Yes. And was and like, still I is. Just, and probably does not like own a nice I mean, I think he's like he's like, I liked living in a normal neighborhood, but too many people would come to my house. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I moved into a gated neighborhood. Not because I wanted some fancy house. Now he owns like a um, like a uh, hundred plus acre. Yeah, but definitely young the- Warren Buffett vibes, right? Like I, there's hundred percent. I'm simple, hundred percent, right? You know, he's a modern and the re- like he understands product. He created feastables. He understands creating brand and product, and he and people want to say there's your generation, the boomers. They like talking like. We would never just get into a brand because of a personality, but you have a vintage Marlboro jacket mm-hmm. in your closet mm-hmm. that you used, you know, uh, whatever the coupons were to buy out of a catalog of like, hey, smoke our product at the CDC. <laughs> you drive around on a Harley Davidson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Harley. exactly. So, so I'm just saying millennials, um, Zoomers, alphas, we're no, no different. different. We're no different. It's simply that we're drinking here. It's simply this. Instead of finding Burt Reynolds to drive a Trans Am mm-hmm. to get the sales to go up, Burt Reynolds existed for some other reason. And they Pontiac goes to him and says, do you want to have the Burt Reynolds? It's a right. It's it's the Trans Am Burt whatever it is. It, no, I you you're talking about classic brands, but in a digital format right. in today's world, right? That's it, all it is. Yeah. It's like people are like, oh, freaking Logan Paul and KSI created the a drink, but the kids are just buying it because it's like the it's it's theirs. It's like, but Gatorade. See, like the only people reason people drink Gatorade because was because some other sports athlete promoted it. Right. So what's the difference? What's the flipping difference if it's a YouTuber? Here, this is a great example of how I you should constantly learn, right? Because I, being Gen X, consummate despiser of the Paul brothers, right? I mean, I've been in existence since I'm I I was an adult when the Paul brothers came around on YouTube, started doing all their stupid stuff that they've done or whatever. I am on record on this podcast and several others radio shows talking about how I don't think Logan Paul or any of the Paul brothers are actual boxers. This kind of stuff. Now, but here's the deal. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get there. Hold on. What you're never too old to learn. Right. And this is what I started out with the Paul brothers. I, I was actually watching the review of his latest fight with um, who was it with Danny? Um, it was just this past uh, weekend. For, yeah, I forget. But he, anyway. he's, he's a championship UFC fighter. Yeah. And I, I was watching this last fight and I was just kind of I was watching with the, some friends and stuff. And I had my normal. I despise Logan Paul. He's not a boxer's Anderson face on. Silva. Yes. Silva. So yeah. and I had my normal it was, face it was on. Jake, it was it was Jake. It wasn't. It was one he, of the he, Paul brothers. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he knocked him on his behind. Here's my point. My point is, yeah. is I'm sitting here and I'm watching. I finally took off took off my personal Gen Xer glasses, yeah. and I put on my again, like I said earlier, my business glasses, and I was just looking at the spectacle of what all of this stuff was. 
there is not a boxer on the planet that will watch any of these matches and go, oh, that's a boxer. However, does it matter? He is getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars in pay-per-view ticket sales, throwing crazy events that these people are showing up for and filling out for. Does it, by definition, he's paid to be a boxer, so he is a pro boxer. Does it matter that the guy can't throw a a punch properly? Does it matter that he's not a quote-unquote pro boxer? I don't think it does anymore. From a business standpoint, it definitely does. Yeah. So I'm just going to disagree with the big man. We all know that I love him, and we disagree sometimes. And I'm going to agree with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan says, listen, he has some technical skills that when I, and I trust Joe Rogan's opinion on a lot of things. Of course. Particularly combat sports. He's been doing it since he was a teenager. He's 50 something years old. He understands it better than a lot of other people. 100%. And someone was arguing with him or saying to him that this kid kind of sucks. And he's like, I don't know boxing that well. So I asked somebody else. And so basically people who understand the subject go, listen, he's only had a couple of fights. He's not the he's not great, but there's some instincts there when he's fighting, when he's boxing, that you go, those are a boxer's instincts. So you can't so and I'm just saying fine, we don't have mm-hmm. to love it. But what I'm saying is a lot of these MMA guys who re, who retire out of the MMA, I think Anderson Silva's getting close to 50. Here's yeah. the interesting part. These guys never got these multi-million dollar paydays, but they're fighters. At the end of the day, they're fighters. Absolutely. And so if you just look at it from the standpoint of Jake Paul is enough of a spectacle that he's getting these guys who sacrifice their bodies for the sake of our entertainment, he's figured out how to give them a paycheck in a way that's not just handing mm-hmm. them the money they can earn a massive. Silva walked away with an eight-figure payday. Oh, his yeah. other opponents, eight-figure payday. But to your what you're saying, oh, there isn't a boxer alive that, that looks at him and says he's a boxer. This year, he's tried to fight two ranked boxers and couldn't get the deal closed to box them, which tells me one thing. If you're a boxer and you're trying to elevate your status as a, as a boxer, any industry you go, if I can ride somebody's coattails, this whole podcast is me riding the big man's real estate coattails. The whole reason <laughs> it exists. right? I wouldn't say that, but I understand where you're getting it. But I'm just saying, so we're the, if you're a boxer, you go, Dude, if I if I'm the guy who knocks out Jake Paul, I'm yeah. But nobody of any notoriety in boxing is going to take that match because they no, they because don't want to be associated with it. And then anybody Jake Paul or Logan Paul would want to fight or w- that's willing to fight them is not a big enough name for them to put in the ring. So I, I think Logan it just, Paul Logan Paul it tried to fight Andrew Tate, who I think we have to start calling Ahmed Tate because he converted, <laughs> but um. And he like I have the I have the video where he's like, dude, no, like he turned down the first fight, so they might do an MMA bout, which this is now we're now going down an even further rabbit hole, right, which is right. the point but of the show now. I, but, I just but, wanted to say we can all learn from business standpoint. We yeah. can all say, hey, this is not what I thought it was, but at the same time, I can respect it, and I yeah. can respect the Paul brothers going, hey, I want to be a boxer, and let me tell you something: if you have enough money and time, you can become proficient. In anything that doesn't mean you're talented that doesn't mean that you can get amazing at it and i think that's where the paul brothers are they have the money and the time to become quote-unquote decent boxers that doesn't mean that they're boxers i'm still a look mike tyson 
beats the crap out of both of these at the same time with one hand tied behind his back now. That's correct. Okay, today. Agreed. All right. But while so he's, while he's lit on shrooms. Right. Like and and talking to someone else in an interview. Okay. Yeah. So my point though is but anyway, I digress. I just wanted yeah. to get across the point that you I I can as I get older and we should be able to let people do this more, as you learn more information, you should be able to say, hey, I've said A, B, and C, but I've come to the realization of D, right? Yeah, and so that's one thing that I do talk about on my other podcast is you just have to accept that if if you're not willing to be the kind of person who's humble enough to go, yeah, I screwed it up. If you can't take ownership of that, you'll never achieve anything meaningful Correct. because the only way to achieve greatness in any field, in any subject, is to be humble so you can learn. Now, I have an uncle who's a professor of a certain subject. Whenever I talk to him about that subject, I, I pretend like I don't know anything. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I believe X or Y. And he's like, well, you should have a firm position. He's a theologian. He's like, well, you should have a firm position on either or. And I had explained to him, I was like, no, I have a firm position. I'm just trying to get you to convince me one way or the other right. because you're, you know, the subject better than I could ever understand. Mm -hmm. it. I agree. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, uh, all this time in, let's move to our second story, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you call me Dan? I will Danny. break your face. No, I've never okay. called you Dan and we'll never call Good, you Danny. Because I, I know because I just, I just want to make something very clear. Anytime someone without my consent just starts calling me Danny or just Dan without the other three letters. If there wasn't so such negative con condensations, uh, uh, con con, I don't know what kind of word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. Condonations. I think that's the word. Consternation. Consternations around it. I'd call you Big D, but I can't do that and keep a straight face. <laughs> um, like, that is a lie. <laughs> Everyone has my permission to call me Big D. That's not a problem. Go right ahead. I can't do it. I can't do it. This it's next story that Danny put on magic. Uh, this no. next story that Danny put on our list is dumb. He makes fun of me all the time for dumb stories. Now I'm going to just call him out. This is a dumb story. Well, no, I listen. I put this in there because I like this. So I use um, Adobe's Creative Suite. Now that is now about a decade old. There's the Creative mm -hmm. Cloud. But what I find interesting is very quietly, Microsoft is acquiring these little competitors and they built something very interesting here to me. And sometimes we do stories. Big man doesn't necessarily understand why we do them. Uh, why I picked them. Here it comes. Right? Danny. Danny's uh, uh, brilliant, and I don't mm -hmm. quite understand on his level why something is no. happening. All right, go no, ahead. No. I, it's not that you don't quite understand on my level. It's that you have that, you know, Gen Xer mindset, just like you explained with, with, the, with the Paul brothers of like, you're stupid. And the point is, later you will find out how it's not stupid. You, you realize um, that Gen Xers have more millionaires than any generation before or after them, right? That we have more right. entrepreneurs than any generation before or after them. We've yeah, created and, and advanced more into the gross national product than any generation before right. or after us, right? You get all of that, right? <laughs> that all the things that you appreciate that we yeah, now yeah. have, including the push forward in technology, was... Okay, well, but anyway, I digress. Go is, ahead. All of you have been messing with Dall E, um, Dall E two, which is the AI image creator, which is from OpenAI, which is a an open source AI. You can just go type in random stuff like Elon Musk if he was black, or 
whatever. And it, like the, it comes, it renders something, it renders something where you go, we what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason I put this in here is Microsoft is harnessing this. And, and the reason I think this is important to discuss is Microsoft in many ways, their software, their productivity suite, all of it, this thing that made them a multi-billion dollar company, a juggernaut in technology, mm-hmm. they very slowly, they got into the the hardware side of it and they're killing it on the hardware side. I love Microsoft hardware. Sure. And then you start seeing what they're doing on the software side. And at first I was like, if you guys are butchering this with the, like making me pay annually for word, like what are you updating every year that I need it? People are paying. So it doesn't matter. No, but I'm just saying like, what are you updating? And they're like, I could type. Guess what I was doing with the last year's version? Typing. (laughs) Like there's not like a huge. Look, this is why I said, go ahead, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, no, but like here's what I think it's genius is they harnessed um, a dolly two, and they're coming out with something called Bing. What is this thing called? Bing. Um, it doesn't matter, but the point is they're coming out with something called Microsoft designer, which is like this AI powered um, design piece of software, which here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. This, when we, when people talk about automation's going to kill jobs, and I'm always like, nah, you're stupid. It's not going to. This single piece of software is going to put roughly half of Fiverr out of business. Because like because okay, going- I get where you're I, I get the embellishment that you're going to, but that's not true. Look, there's two reasons I say this story is em- stupid. Embellishment? Yes. Embellishment? There's, I don't think so. There's two reasons I think this story is stupid, and neither one of them have to do with ultimately what Danny's actually trying to say. I'm just making, I like to make funny fun of Danny and get his feathers yeah, all ruffled. One, yeah. nobody gives a crap on what happen, what's happening over on Bing. Nobody cares, right? That's, so That's what I'm saying, though, is nobody cares what's happening on Bing, but... Here's the thing. They are so in front of because they were behind the pack with this with a search engine no one wants, which is like I think I think it's it, it accounts for eight percent of web. Yeah, traffic. it never accounted for much. Like it got passed yeah. over very quickly in the search engine. Yeah, Ask Jeeves was more popular than Bing at the height. Yes. My point though, here's my that brings me to my second point. My second point is is Danny says this puts them at the forefront. It, my argument is is that it doesn't. This technology has been around for years at this point and is being done by other companies at a much better rate. It exists. Guess what, folks? AI generated, like word specific generated um, art or thumbnails or graphics or logos is already out there. It's actually being used, probably, he brings up Fiverr, probably a third of Fiverr is using some form of it already because it gives them, at the very least, a starting point that they can then, and look, and you can find, there are places out there that don't end in .com that you can currently use for a lot of this stuff, right? They're all over, they're all over um, TikToks and YouTube videos of people going, go to this website because I can't say this website and get this done. I'll give you a great example of one. I made this just for this. This is me putting in Market Fire Podcast into one of the AI generating, right? Specifically for fantasy landscape, 
right? So this is Market Fire Podcast put in an AI generation for, uh, you know what I mean, a, a fantasy uh, landscape. And that's gorgeous. Yeah. You will take this image right now. You will make it our background in OBS. And that's our. <laughs> but you're, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said. The reason they're at the forefront, and, and I'll use this example, the reason Apple spent so many decades, uh, two decades at the forefront of tech wasn't because they were innovative. They took, they stole, and this is a, a quote from Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. great, good art, great artists steal. So he, you know, the, the iPhone 4, which, which to me is the thing that really took iPhone on a rocket ship, was ripped off from Sony. They literally ripped off the whole design from Sony. So that being said, what I'm saying is Microsoft figured out something that is, hey, there's all these all this stuff that exists out there. If we just figure out how to package it, decontent it in terms sure. of because some of the features that you're going to see on are they're a little exploratory and they're not really so like just right now to use the Apple example, the next iPhone, iPhone 15 will finally use. USB-C. <laughs> That's only because of that European lawsuit. Like that, oh. Europe. What I don't remember which country in Europe or whatever yeah. basically the came EU out and probably. said, yeah, they came out and, and there was a big lawsuit saying, hey, you, you need to stop this. This is getting insane. These unique power right. cords, and they're right. gonna so. And if they're gonna do it in one country, they're gonna do it in all because that's part right. of how you make money. Is right. you right. make it for everything. But, but I'm, what I'm getting at though is that. Um, Microsoft is taking these non-proprietary um, artificial intelligence engines. Right. They're figuring out how to, in one way or another, make these open source things monetizable. <clears throat> because you went to some website and made a fantasy AI art. Nobody got paid for that. Correct. Microsoft is a publicly traded company with billions of dollars. They have so much money. They acquired Nokia for hundreds of billions of dollars and then wrote it off. Yeah, no, they they are still obviously in 2022 so, a juggernaut, right? Like it's so what I'm so what I'm getting at is seeing the, so <clears throat> free market people like myself view there's a market cycle. Companies go in business, they go out of business. New mm-hmm. companies come along, and this is one of those things where you where I would tend to go, oh, maybe those whack nuts who don't understand economics have a point where. You know, they're going to utilize this just like Android was open source. Sure. Sure. Go try and use one of the like open source versions of Android and tell me what the experience is like as compared to a Google Android right, phone. Right, a Samsung phone, or, <clears throat> right, or whatever. So Or the Pixels. You so, definitely have what, a point. I mean, Microsoft yeah. might find its way into bringing it to the masses in such a way that makes it simple and easy to work with, right? right? And a lot of companies do something like that. So, I mean, if that's your take on it, I guess. But it's it's just, it's not there yet, is my point. You know what I mean? It's not there yet. I don't think it's ever going to replace something like Fiverr or these logo generators or whatever. There's something to be said. I do believe in artists. Now, artists is a broad term, right? But I really do believe if Michelangelo had a computer that he could draw on, he would, right? Or, Or Leonardo da Vinci or anybody else, if they had technology, they would still be who they are. They would just be that with technology. I think there are people 
whether on Fiverr, whether on Upwork, whether it was just a, a person sitting in their basement with a computer, that are artists and can do things great with logos and designs and all and, these kinds of stuff. And I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, I'm simply saying that this is going to, in some way, democratize access to good digital art or good commercial art, which is I'm in support of. I'm just saying a company as a, a, a juggernaut, a tech juggernaut like Microsoft being this innovative, which is, is this, which was, it was a old stodgy company mm -hmm. that, that got, that got knocked out of its spot because it lacked this sort of innovation. So it just, it figured out how, without going out of business, how to reinvent itself. And I just want to close on this one note. Um, all of this new innovation took place after they installed the new CEO, Satya Nadella. Now mm -hmm. we know, we all know what I'm going to say. My cousin Satya Nadella, <clears throat> which uh, I don't know in his native language what that means, but in my language or my parents' language, it means truth. So his first name is Truth. Mm -hmm. so that's interesting. Anyways, uh, that's that. Um, it's an, you say it's a non-story, and there is an element to which I agree with that. But the reason we do Market Fire podcast is so that the non-stories that are going to become big stories, that are going to become trending, that are going to become important, we're bringing that to the people. We actually had done that several times, and that's part of why actually Danny and I uh, moved to the live format is because we were having that issue. Is we were recording things that even we were a couple of days ahead on, and then by the time it all spanned out, it was like we were behind on a story when we were actually ahead of the story. So right. that's why we moved to the live format. All right, Danny, what do we got next? Um. So this next one, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, Just, I knew why Danny added this one. Oh, I couldn't. So we all know that there was... Um, so I'm just going to read this. Yeah. I, this is what I wrote. Great balls of fire. The fake deli man has more than one Dell company. Oh, man. Imagine that. Remember, right. Can you just re um, refresh everybody's memory what I'm talking about when I say the, the, the deli man? Yeah, so Danny and I did this, this actually on our podcast, what, a year ago, two years ago? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. It was a while. Anyway, there was a national news story uh, during the pandemic, actually, when everybody was locked away, that there was a deli in, was it New Jersey? It was yeah. it was something like that. I think it was Jersey that yeah. was selling shares of stock in what it considered to be... Uh, now we're talking when we say deli, folks. We've all seen you've all seen television. You've all yeah. seen a New York deli, right? Yeah, you've all the seen Soprano. the Soprano, this little shack or this, you know yeah. what I mean? Whatever. So we're I talking mean, about Sopranos one of those. Is in, Sopranos is in Jersey, yeah. so this is hometown deli in Jersey. Um, but and, he uh, said at the time of selling shares was worth more than a hundred million dollars. Right. I don't know what your problem is with that. that it's the not first, the first the first the first lesson of e free market economics is what it can Mark, uh, yeah the market dictates the value yeah sure no, no value is subjective so uh there was a former president who said his his brand was worth two or three billion dollars alone his name who's to say <laughs> well the SEC for one <laughs> but, uh, okay 
the IRS, the SEC. Those dickbags. Yeah. Who cares about what they think? <laughs> hey, can you not say that on camera? I don't want to get audited. All right. All right. That's all I'm That's saying. True. Uh, but yes, no, so, so, and he obviously is currently under scrutiny with the SEC, and they found a lot of fraud with this whole dealings, and Danny's whole point with this news story is apparently this wasn't the only fraud he was committing. Now, I, um, I don't like using that word fraud, it's a slur to my people. Um, <laughs> but go ahead. I, I, in, in when I say my people, I just people who like scams. Um, <laughs> this, um, I just love when you see a guy who, and there's an entrepreneurial element to this where it's like, and this is, I come to this conclusion a lot in my life was like, oh, maybe I don't have the competitive advantages I thought I did. Right. And he said, I don't have those competitive advantages, but here's what I do know. I can get a company listed on the stock market and make money anyway. And he did it. He and did. That, my friends, that, my friends, is a lesson. And the lesson there is don't let something as, as, as insignificant as not having a minimally viable product or a unique selling proposition or an actual business stop you from taking your company public like you've always dreamed of. So never let. Don't ever let the facts get in the way of your 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 feelings. See, this is so, why Danny, you know, Danny, don't let the facts get in your way. Danny is if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Danny no, is not, I don't I don't believe in cheating. I believe okay. he played straight up. Here's the thing. He played within the bounds of the law. He did not. He did no, he not. Got, this is the whole point. Creative. He got creative with some of the things <laughs> no. and that creativity Listen, sometimes you got to color outside of the No, line. you it's don't. Awesome. See, this is the point. See, look, I'm here to tell you on, on live, look, folks, don't commit crimes. And if you do commit crimes, don't get caught because this is what happens when you get caught for any kind of fraud. They are going to take your life apart and find all the frauds because it's rarely the first. You don't just wake up one morning as a law-abiding deli owner in New Jersey, okay, a law-abiding third-generation whatever deli owner, right. right? Been been slinging salami your whole life, and go. I'm gonna create a hundred million dollar SEC violation fraud. That's not right. something. That's not your first fraud. That's not the first one. That's not where you start, right? Right. My point is, so if this guy this guy gets caught and they start taking his life apart, is it really that surprising that they find out that he's been avoiding taxes and paying himself through third-party shell companies that don't actually do what they say they're going to do, right? Here's the thing. I also own a consulting company, and uh, on several occasions, I've had companies write checks to me, and they're like, well, what is this even for? And I go... <laughs> You'll figure it out eventually. Because <laughs> the guy also, slinging salami sure is a consultant for med spa vacations. Sure. So he owns a, he owned a company called E-Waste. Um, also didn't have a, uh, a functioning business model. In this article from CNBC, they slander him by saying, had no actual business. Because he guess doesn't. That's how, well, listen, who re if, if, let's get really philosophical for a moment. Who really has the business? Isn't it all just a who's he, what's it, what's it nonsense? All what just dust in the wind, man. We're all just dust is in the wind. Is money even real? None of this is real, okay? As Elon Musk says, this is a simulation. So he's playing a video game that is life, and he figured out 
if you smash all the buttons, it kicks out money. Well, he's you know? in the find out stage of F around and find out. That's all That's I'm saying. True. All right. So, so. his company, uh, Benchmark Capital, which has nothing to do with Benchmark Capital, which is the like an actual venture fund, um, uh, was receiving $2,500, $5,000 in consulting fees. Um, and uh, in the filing, uh, they just don't discuss what's happening with uh, med spa vacations, but there is speculation that that also does not have any business model or right. business or <laughs> revenue. So um, y'all know when I read. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say one thing. Isn't this aspirational? Isn't this the American no, dream? No, Isn't that what this whole experiment mm -hmm. of this country is about? It's Going about to jail for the next 50 years over for some kind of money? No. No, it is not. Well, I don't think he should go to jail. There are too many I ways think. to get money and lots of it the regular, old-fashioned, legal way do, that there is no reason. Do you expect this guy to, to start an OnlyFans and sell feed pictures? Okay, I didn't me? suggest that either. There, are, The fact okay. that that's straight where you go is part of the problem in 2022. Look, my favorite, know. and y'all know, I love to read stories that Danny sends me, and I find this little just tidbit of a sentence or a sentence right. that tell, is my favorite thing of the entire story. So, you know, we... We have a tendency in society to think of people, especially when they're grimy people, you know, cockroaches of society is an old saying, you know what I mean? You want okay. to know one of my favorite parts of this entire story, Danny? What's that? Um, including a company, this guy, so, you know, eMed, right, that does not a business and, and trash. Med Spa. Med Spa yeah, that's e not a business. E-Waste e is not a business. Um, right. His previous companies include, and I quote, a company that raised crickets as human food end quote so and now and now and now <laughs> we found the smoking you know what we found it this is all a conspiracy <laughs> i'm They're just saying if that comes up on your previous company list you probably they should just throw you in jail right away. Like that just should be a red flag. That's just like, sir, your 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 excuse for this is I you. There's no excuse. There's no legal excuse. They're trying to make us eat bugs. <laughs> See, he was in bed with Alex Jones. There you go. Whoa, whoa. We don't say that name without due compensation on this program. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Yeah, we don't say that we need to come up with a code name for him. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I just say, uh, future factual, Mr. Future factual, uh, the bankrupt um, bear. How about that? Uh, <laughs> I feel bad. Makes me feel bad about for him. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we covered that. Uh, yep. this is, this is the last thing I had on, on the sheet for today. There are conflicting reports. This is from Bitcoin magazine, the most, um, accurate and truthful, um, sure. Uh, reporting. Sure. It um, is. So there was there on accident. According to PayPal, they they updated the terms of service with a fine of twenty five hundred dollars for using their like if you spread misinformation, they're going to ding your account for twenty five hundred dollars. Now they took that out of the terms of service and then went on Twitter and said, "Hey guys, we're sorry. That was a huge mistake." <laughs> How many people does it like? It goes through ten or fifteen or twenty people. Like legal has to write it up because it's terms of service. It goes to 10, 10, 20 or 15 people before it goes live as an update for terms of service. 
you and I have that question all the time, right? Of how things go from an idea through God knows how many layers of a business all the way through, like you said, lawyers. And it even confuses me more on like TV commercials. If you've seen the Russell Wilson subway commercials, oh my God, who actually put that? on out on we see it with television commercials all the time where it's out there for like a day and then they take it down because it was embarrassing or it's dumb or whatever but it lives on the internet forever it's never going away so how can it get through all of these look paypal tried to go hey i have no doubt that the amount of fraud that paypal has to deal with on any given day or any of these cash apps including cash app venmo Right, any of this stuff, which is owned by PayPal now, right? But they they still leave it as a separate product. Um, I have no doubt the amount of fraud that they have to deal with on any given day is insane, right? And this is a way to go to control some of that insanity, right? So I have no doubt that they wanted to make because this is twenty five hundred dollars per occurrence, by the way. It wasn't just, hey, we're going to get you $2,500 ticket here. Yeah, but the, and, and I agree with the fraud matter. Like, they trying to institute some sort of mechanism to combat fraud, I agree with. Mm -hmm. But when they use the word misinformation, that to me is – so if I say something that – and I'm not going to start quoting anything um, – that was a widely accepted view two years ago, two and a half years ago mm – -hmm. um, in, in May of 2020, there was a lot of things that were widely accepted, and there was things that were deemed incorrect. Now, at the end of 2022, two and a half years later, there's been an inversion. So my question is, if you're if PayPal's instituting this policy, fine. They're a free comp they're they're a private enterprise, they can do what mm -hmm. they want. But I'm saying um, legally, if if I was on the, the receiving end of this fine. I would be suing them. And so what happened is it was taken out of the terms of service. They apologized, said it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Now this article is saying they believe it was reinserted, but there's competing articles saying, no, 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 no. So I'm not saying it's one way or the other, but what we do know, it was inserted. It was taken out. Maybe it's still there. Maybe it's not. We don't know. I'm not saying it's either one way or the other, but what I am saying is I would sue if I had gotten fined this way, I would be suing when everything turns out what I, that I said ended up being correct, I'm not suing for 2500 I'm not suing for five. I'm coming for everything. Well, but they – look, they may have sent out $2,500 funds. I guarantee you nobody's paid them and because that, that wouldn't have worked its way through the system in the time that it take them for them to do and fix this. Um, I think this is a bad – way look i put this in the same category as netflix coming out and saying we're going to charge people for sharing their passwords and how do they prove that they're sharing a password right uh, i was just on vacation for two weeks right in another city are you going to charge me because i used my password in another city how do you know it's you know what i mean i'm sharing it versus whatever this is in that same category they're trying to crack down on something and they right. just did it poorly um, and nobody was charged. And look, Dave, I'm going to sue him for more than the the look. If you didn't pay it, nobody's going to sue anybody for anything. Agreed, agreed. agreed. Um, you know, and and they got instant backlash for this because everybody always goes to the extreme. Um, uh, but PayPal is a is a um, worldwide company. They're just not. It's not just in America. This is in other places where this could actually be more of a. 
unfortunate, viable yeah, fine. viable fine than in mm. America, right? We always look That's at true. through things on our American glasses, but in other places, right. especially the example it gives in this article is in I, China, right? Yeah, I, I, I look at things through an American lens because no other country matters. So <laughs> That's not true. I'm born and bred American, but they're, every country in yeah. the world matters. I'm the, I'm the child of immigrants. I have uh, passports to foreign countries. Still go, and I, I go there and I go, hey, this, is, this other country is better for X, Y, and Z reason. But at the end of the day, no one flies. I'm not flying one way. I end up coming back here and going, I guess I'll sit in traffic and pay taxes to people that hate me. So <laughs> that is it. Your thought process, Tim. Yeah, I know. You had a couple of things you wanted to hit. Yeah, and, so uh, um, and then we'll we'll wrap this stuff up. Just a couple of things because they were their top stories today that people are discussing. Uh, the the first one being J.P. Morgan Chase, right? We all know the bank, right? Is essentially trying to. I love it, and usually this is an entrepreneurial thing, but businesses do this too. Right. And essentially, we've all been told before as an entrepreneur is to see a pain point. Right. Or one of the ways to be an entrepreneur is to see a pain point and try and fix it. Right. Try to make right. it easier. Try to make it right. simpler. Whatever. We all know the right. examples of those. Yeah, so, so like Tinder, for instance, <laughs> it's hard to meet people. So we create this app and we completely um, ruin the entire marketplace to dating and marriage. Sure. Exactly. Great example, Dan. So yeah, <laughs> one of these things, I did not know this, okay, even though I'm an investor in real estate, that apparently the majority, being 87% of people that rent a home, right, rent their, their house or whatever, um, still pay in checks because that is the preferred method of most Mortgage, not mortgage companies, most um, owners, right? Yeah. Investors. Um, because most investors use some form of uh, property management. Checks yeah. are easy to show an invoice. You show a check, yeah. right? That kind of stuff. So it makes it very simple. Well, J.P. Morgan and Chase goes, hey, dear God, it's 2022. So right. they are developing a product specifically to account for this, saying, hey, we're going to electronically create something specific for this where the customer gets an invoice the property managers get all the paperwork that they need for their books but all in an electronical format that stays the same for everybody meaning it's going to be available for all 50 states it's going right. to be you know easy to work into your quickbooks for irs and you know what i mean yeah. and stuff like that and essentially say hey we're going to bring this up to the level now what it doesn't say in here is what they're going to charge for it However, from the idea of going, hey, here's a problem, and guess what? Banks are constantly trying to figure out how to, they're going to make money because, oh, by the way, a lot of the fees that they've been using for 100 years now are about to go away because right. the government's cracking down on the you know banking and banking fees. Bitcoin, so, yeah. so they're constantly looking for ways to, hey, how can I get an extra dollar out of the – same old American, right? And right. this is going to be one of those where they attack pain points in business that businesses aren't using technology, where they can go to all their Chase business accounts and go, hey, you need this product and you need it now. Yeah, so um, part of it, I, I presume, is <clears throat> what they're going to do is, I, I'm assuming, is um, there's a lot of paperwork that gets generated when somebody pays rent, you need all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is just going to automate that process and fill out that paperwork. And the reason my presumption is, 
is that companies, um, landlords, or as the preferred phrase is now, uh, housing providers, which is one of those times <laughs> where I usually don't like the word they're, that you're forced to replace the old word with, but I like the word housing provider because it makes it it makes it more friendly to the anti anti rent movement. So mm -hmm. um, we just we're just providing housing. Um, everybody needs a place to live. So um, my presumption is the the people that own and rent properties are always looking for because if you can reduce your costs, the way the bank reflects that in your you know um, balance sheet is property value starts to go up because your capital costs came down. Mm -hmm. So that's one strategy that when people invest in real estate, they look at. And my presumption is the reason people are taking paper checks, 80 some percent is because there's some legal or regulatory burden placed on the housing provider that in turn is passed on to the, um, the, the renter. It, it's the property managers. It's the property yeah. manager. Look, most rental properties by large percentage is controlled by yeah. property management companies. Correct. And they're the ones that are forcing these people. Look, the majority of these people even say in this article that say they only have a checkbook to pay their rent because that's what that's being asked to do of them. Right. They all wish that they could just Venmo, that they could just whatever in some way, right, right, right. but they don't or automated. Right. Like a lot of things are in today's world. My mortgages are automated. Why wouldn't rent be automated? Mm -hmm. But here's here's what I guarantee you who's going to be against this. It's going to be those property management companies. And you know why? Because they're going to see it as I guarantee you the guy that developed this or the lady that developed this or the team that developed this. They're mm -hmm. positioning JP Mortgage Chase to be a property manager. And here's why. Any decent property management company out there. That it, of any decent size or decent as, as far as how they're run is charging mm -hmm. at least 10% of rent to be a property manager. Okay? That's a flat fee for most. That's the mm -hmm. average. Some are more, some are less, depending on where you are, what city, yada, 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 yada. What services they provide or whatever. But your average every day, we collect rent and we pick up the phone when the renters call. 10% right off the top. If I took that to J.P. Morgan Chase and said, hey, all of your people that are investors that have J.P. Morgan Chase bank accounts are paying somebody 10% to do this. If we can automate it and charge them 2%, how much of that business could we rake in? So when you first said that, I thought, well, this is the dumbest thing that's ever come out of your mouth. But then you kept talking, and then I was like, oh, because I'm guessing their friends, they're looking at their friends over at BlackRock <clears throat> and Blackstone and open door and mm -hmm. all these other companies and going, how do we get a slice of this pie? But what we learned in the, in the 2008 crash was banks don't really want to own property. No. But what they, so what they're going to do is here, here's my guess. Now here's my prediction. They're going to create this software. They're going to leave, you know, there's, they're going to try it with a couple of mid size property managers. Then they're just going to scoop up those property managers and they're going to go, Oh, Hey, Hey, um, you have a fund and mm -hmm. your fund is looking to, um, you know, like these big companies, like these Grant Cardones and other guys like that, that have mm -hmm. these um, syndicated investment funds, <clears throat> they're getting their money from, from Chase and Chase is going to go, hey, guess what? We're going to give you more agreeable terms. If you just use our property management company, it's 10, instead of 10%, you're going to pay 6% and all they're going to, and the fund goes, hey, I can just charge my investors because the deal is the, those funds 
charge the investors a management fee and all they do is hire a manager. So they hired a guy to do the job and they gave them, they're paying themselves a percentage yeah. because they hired a guy. This is going to make banks money and yeah. fund the actual funds that own most of this residential real estate more right. profits. That's right. what I'm saying. It so, makes the, so, gives them a piece of the pie and makes the fund more money. It's a right. win-win. So the fund gets a percentage, and I'm not dis, I'm not dis, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying this is how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, property manager, how's it going? Oh, it's good. All right, bye. <laughs> they Give don't me even $10 get that. Million. <laughs> yes. Give me ten million dollars. Yes. That. Yes. That's, but that and listen, the point is. In this life, like we were discussing with the with the with the um, um, Delhi story, if you just figure out how to two other people are shaking hands and you just put your hand on top, that's that's how you get paid, baby. That's how you make money. Well, they're just replacing what already exists, being the property manager. That's why I say yeah. property managers. At the beginning, this is being portrayed currently like, hey, this is a good thing to help property managers, and like we know in the history, uh. Something that's always sometimes portrayed as a thing to help you may be the thing right. that replaces you. So Correct. I think, like you said, they could use property managers to fine-tune this and then go, oh, by the way, guess what? I'm calling – I got BlackRock on the phone tomorrow going, hey, uh, they're charging you 10. We're going to charge you 6, like you said, no, right? I, I, I think that they're looking at BlackRock and they're going, we want a piece of the pie. They want to compete with BlackRock. So, and they're, so they're trying to figure out – how do because they're looking at this going uh, we're on one end of the transaction there's someone else on the other end of the transaction but there's also there's somebody in the middle how do we become the person in the middle so that here's what's happening we're making the money lending we're making the money managing but you're over here on the paper this mm -hmm. is your asset so this is blackstone's asset this is this is cardone capital's asset yeah but and and here's the other funny part all of these, many of these loans are written as what's called non-recourse. So if Cardone or some, I'm using Grant Cardone because he's the most uh, visible guy in that space. Sure. Um, I'm not, I don't know anything about his business. I don't know how it operates or runs. I'm not making any sort of accusation. I don't know him. Mm -hmm. But any of those funds, um, they have a problem. Uh, people stop paying rent, the events of 2020, something like that, 2008. And uh, he just goes, well, guys, it was nice knowing you. It's your building now. Bye. I'm just going to hop on my jet and I'm going to steer a cow with, where all my funds are uh, wired um, offshore. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying like that's like there. there's no recourse. It's lock and leave. It's this is somebody else's problem. So the way that the, it's, it's quiet, um, it's a quiet acquisition method where they go, we're just going to wait for enough of you to screw up and then we'll have vertically integrated our ownership. Because we're the manager, the financier, and now we control the building. So I think that's you know a, a possibility. Yeah, well, I mean, all, all of that could work out. I find this interesting, and I get why it's trending today, because it's, it's something outside the box that is good for banking. If you are a banking yep. investor, if you own stocks and banks, and that's your thing, is the financial sector. I think this, if it catches on, could be a great thing for the financial sector of investing, because they're going to get fees it's going to be crazy in the beginning. They'll make a lot of money for it. Everybody, Wells Fargo, everybody else, it's all copycat, right? If JP, 
if they figure out how to make money off of this, Wells Fargo will figure out a way to copycat it in some way, and then it'll become more competitive. But first to market, sometimes, a lot of times, makes a lot of money. Yeah, and the benefit is, um, you know, I use the term vertical integration. You already have the customers for the product. So it seems odd on its face that a bank would be creating a piece of tech, but when you look at it, you go, but the bank has all the customers that need the tech. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't they be the first to try and solve the problem? And the other thing too is <clears throat> FinTech and, and other technology um, things don't have an intricate knowledge of how regulations work. Right. And <clears throat> JP already has a legal edifice that understands the inner workings of these regulations. So they have a huge advantage over other. I wouldn't be surprised to find out. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they're going to spin this up. They're going to make this. They're going to go get a handful of customers. They're going to fine tune the product. They're going to spin it off. Mm -hmm. They're going to take it public. They're going to do a handful of other things. I don't expect them to build this and hold on to it forever. Maybe they do. Maybe they end up doing exactly what I said. You know, um, you know, quiet acquisition of properties. There's another term for it. I can't remember what it is, but um, uh, it's basically they're going to just end up with a bunch of real estate. And hey, mm-hmm. that's the beautiful thing about America. One day you think you have a mom and pop who own your building and they're really nice to you and you can't make your rent on the first, so they let you slide and they give it to you, let you pay on the fifteenth right. and you get your next check. And what ends up happening is your kid wants nothing to do with it. So they sell it off to a fund, and now you're screwed. <laughs> That's actually an entire thing that we could get into on a completely different podcast about how that's happening, not only with commercial property, uh, like you just said, but farms and ranches and stuff like that, which mobile, is one of the raises, one of the ways you said earlier about Bill Gates buying up farmland. He's now the largest owner of farmland in yep. Western America, um, and uh, uh, that's one of the ways he's been able to do that is through generational um, yeah. acquisition. Right, the grandson or the great grandson or grand uh, daughter doesn't want to be a sheep farmer Rancher. or a pig farmer right. or or whatever it is. Right. So when they inherit it, when everybody else is gone, right, when the right. the lineage is gone, they just want to sell it. They, right. they they just want to get on about their business, um, which is a interesting thought experiment for for people like me and the Gen X that our parents left us nothing that millennials and gen zers are going to get to experience in that mm-hmm. that great grandfather that started that ranch and their children and their children's children that have maybe lived on that ranch and grew up on that ranch have grown up predominantly poor being a rancher wasn't exactly a high paying gig for most farmers right and ranchers right. but then all of a sudden because of the increase in land right and stuff like that that millennial that gen zer comes along when they're 40 years old and their parent you're 50 years old and their parents pass away they come into a million dollar or two million dollar payday because their parents owned 100 acres in right right, right outside san antonio or whatever right, right? and so it's going to be a, an interesting thing to see as generations that get wealth that wouldn't normally have it yeah, and if you're one of those people that owns a ranch, uh, 300 acres and up, outside of San Antonio, you can email me at allpodmedia at gmail.com. I am looking to buy. For zero down and zero monthly fees. 
Well, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the terms. That's it. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a compound. Danny's gonna live on one end of it. I'm gonna live on the other, and then all of my kids are gonna stay out. Oh well, we'll see about that. <laughs> all right, folks. That's all we got today. We'll be live right. again on at least Friday, if not before. I think we'll probably have to go on Thursday. I got a thing on Friday. I forgot about so. Danny just airing out his dirty laundry right here on live. All right, folks. We'll talk to you next time.